Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. It's a great morning. Everybody uh, used to the cold weather that came in last night? Woo, it got cold quick, didn't it? Well, thank y'all for coming out this morning. I am so excited um, about where we're headed forward and just all that's going on in God's kingdom and what God's doing. And so this morning, we're going to be kind of tagging along with what Mark had started a couple weeks ago, talking about the local church, the, the fact that we love the local church and there's power in the local church. And one thing that Mark always reminds us from, from the start of Journey Church is that the church isn't this building. This is an awesome building. It's a great tool, but the church is you and I, the people, the body that make up the, the, the people who come together. That is the church, and there is power in the church. And when we come together, we're so much stronger. And we're going to talk about that and talk about some things that propel us forward and some things that kind of slow us down in our lives. And we're going to be going to, to Luke chapter 15 today. So if you want to go ahead and open up, you're not going to have to veer far from it. You can keep it open. We're going to go through pretty much the entirety of it this morning. So hang on tight. we got lots of scripture. But that's a good thing. It's God's word and God's word is powerful. So um, I love this chapter because it has three parables in it. And these parables are just so, so essential to the church, I believe. And all these parables come together, they all point us to the same thing. There's a challenge and a problem, and so Jesus gives us these parables. And if we're going to understand the parables and understand the context of the entire scripture, you've got you to have it all, right? You've got to start in the beginning. You've got to see why Jesus gives us these three parables. So there's a challenge, and we're going to read that challenge to get us moving forward this morning. So let's take a look at the challenge. Very first verse says this in Luke chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Love it. Jesus is always getting a bad rap when he goes around from the Pharisees. They're always giving him a hard time, right? Have you ever been in a room where you walk in or maybe people walk in and you can feel the tension, like you can feel the eyes like piercing on you, you can hear the whispers behind your back. That's not fun, is it? Like that's, that's hard and that's what's going on right here. This has happened to me in my life many times, but when it's been at its worst, it was my own fault, right? I've done a lot of silly things and I like to share stories of, of my childhood and growing up. And one of the things that I've always liked to do with my buddies and I is we like to dress up for Halloween. Right? Anybody like to do that? Anybody like to dress up? Okay, so I still do it. I act like this is in the past, but I still do it. And one, one year, my buddies decided it would be a great idea to dress up like Twilight characters, right? When Twilight was all the rage and it was just the thing to do. We didn't like Twilight. We were kind of being a spoof. But we decided to do it anyways, and I was going to dress up as Edward. So my outfit was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. And the buddies wanted to take it to the next level. Anybody know the hairspray you put in your hair to change your color of the hair at Halloween? Awesome. We thought it was the coolest stuff ever. Well, they also make this glitter spray that, you know, makes your hair glitter, like, all shiny and whatnot. They took a whole can, and they covered my entire body in glitter. And I looked ridiculous. You know, the vampires in the books, their skin glitter, and so they thought it was hilarious. So we're all sitting around in our costumes, and they're like, all right, what are we going to do? They're like, let's go to Walmart. Let's go to Walmart. I'm like, no. Everything in me said, nah, we're not going to do this. So, you know, where do we go? We go to Walmart, right? So we're in Walmart, and I walk in, and never in my life have I ever felt so embarrassed. I mean, as soon as I walked in the door, the faces lit up, the people were laughing, cameras came out, we had a posse of teenage girls following us around, it was miserable. I wanted to get out of Walmart so badly. 
It was awful, but it's my own fault, right? Like, I, I deserve that because I put myself in that situation. And as bad as that was, as ridiculous as people thought I was, it doesn't compare to what's going on here in Jesus' life. Because Jesus is not just asking for it. He's doing the right thing. He's standing up for, for what he knows is right. He's being the Son of God like he does so awesomely. And so these people, these Pharisees, are gathered around Jesus, and they think he's ridiculous because he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. They're actually angry over it. Why are you hanging out with these kinds of people? Why are you even in the vicinity of these sinners that you're hanging out with? And this is the problem that Jesus was facing. And most people who are in situations like this jump ship, right? Like when you get made fun of for something you do, you jump ship, you change your ways. I never dressed up as Edward again, and I never will. Like I changed my ways. Changed them. Never say never. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. All right, so it's never going to happen. But Jesus isn't just any person. Jesus is the Son of God, and he never backs down from what he knows is right. Never. And so we're going to talk about that. But first, I want you to think about this situation in our society today. Think about it. Is it much different than what goes on today? Let's be honest. Here's a, here's a question for you that's exciting to ask yourself. Would you be comfortable hanging out with the people who Jesus spent his time with? The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the criminals, the thieves, the liars, the cheaters. That's who's showing up at Jesus' teaching. That's his community of people. And so Jesus does what he normally does, and he challenges the Pharisees with parables, with stories. And all three of these parables point us in the same direction. Each story has one common ending, and it's a celebration, a party, rejoicing. There's food. There is a celebration going on. And, and you want to know why at Journey Church we like to eat and we like to celebrate? Because it's what Jesus did. We like to, to celebrate. So come join us for breakfast next week. There will be food, just like we see in these parables. I think even more important than the fact that the, all these three stories end with celebration is why they're celebrating. In each of these parables, there's a celebration because something lost was found. Something lost was found. The lost had come home. You see, Jesus tells us these stories because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, they didn't like that Jesus was teaching sinners, broken people of all, pe of all people about God. We can't have those people in the house of God. We can't have those people in the temple. It's probably why Jesus taught outside most of the time because the people he wanted to reach the most weren't allowed into the, the temples into the houses of God hmm maybe not so much different than what goes on today so often here's another question for you who belongs in the family of God who belongs in the family of God and Jesus gives us that answer so simply John three sixteen, the most quoted scripture in all of Christianity right for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, let me say that again, whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Who? Whoever. Anybody. Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ will have everlasting life. So who belongs in the family of God? Whoever believes. And guess what? The leaders and the Pharisees did not like that word. Whoever. 
There's a class system, a race system, a societal system, a religious system, and not everybody was welcome to learn about God. If the Pharisees did not like a certain group of people, they construct some traditions or regulations that would keep them out of the church. And when Jesus came, everything he did stirred up that system to throw away the man-made regulations and the systems and give an opportunity to everyone to have a relationship with God. Now, you may be thinking, well, hang on, maybe the Pharisees just didn't like bad people, right? Like, maybe they just didn't like people doing wrong. And if you do a little studying, you know, that's not the truth. Pharisees were fine with the bad people. As long as you fit into their category, you did what they asked you to do, and you gave them the power, they liked you. They knew deep down that they were bad people. Now, they weren't going to tell everybody else that, but they knew we're all broken, bad people. And Jesus said, nah, that's not how it works. Like, I love you the way you are. You don't have to pretend you're good and have everything under control because I know you don't. I love you the way you are and your badness and your sin. Yeah, I get it. I don't like that part of you, but actually that's why I'm here. I'm here because I know you're a sinner. I'm here because I know you're broken, and I'm going to die on the cross so that I can have a relationship with you so that your badness will no longer keep you from God. That's why Jesus came. I'm here preaching my whole message. We haven't even gotten to the parables yet. Probably time to jump in. Longest introduction ever. Let's jump into these parables. Getting excited. All right, start from the beginning. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I want to pause for a second before we we move any further. Do you ever answer the questions out loud when you're reading the Bible? Does anybody answer, or am I the only crazy person? All right, I'm the only crazy person here. Well, I answer the the questions sometimes when when I'm reading God's Word. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you, and, and that's what I want to do, sometimes I feel like I answer these questions wrong. Like, I, I, I do, like, like no, no, like, why would I leave the 99 sheep to go and find the one? Like, I got 99. I got 99 over here. Why am I going to leave 99 in the open country to go and, and find this one? Like, that, that sheep, he probably deserved it, right? Like, if I had $100 and, and a dollar blew away in the wind, I'm not going to lay the 99 here and chase after the $1 bill. I'm going to cut my losses, right? Like, that's just human nature. That's just, like, the common sense in me like this sheep should have known better you don't leave your flock right I mean he come on like this was an extra dumb sheep it had to be and all sheep are dumb or at least that's what I've been told and if you own sheep and they're not dumb I apologize but but this is just what's going on in my head as I read this and I'm having this conversation out loud and now you really think I'm crazy so Jesus continues he says when he finds it he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together, and he says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Good stuff. Love this stuff. Let's continue forward. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same thing goes here when I read this sometimes. Like, I'm not going to necessarily tear the house apart for one coin, right? I mean, I'll find it eventually. I'll come across it eventually. Now, you know, maybe the lady doesn't have much money, and so it's important. But then she throws a party that probably costs more than the one coin she finds. Like, what's the logic in that? And that's just my human nature thinking. The last parable is about a father who has two sons. One's a little older, maybe a little wiser with his money, and then there's this younger brother. And he's a little bit foolish, and he asks for his, his inheritance now rather than later. And the father agrees, probably heartbrokenly agrees. And so the boy goes off, and he blows all his money on wild living. And so now this boy's broke, right? He's starving, and he realizes that he should have never left home. And so he returns thinking, maybe, just maybe, I can be a servant to my father. Like, it's better to be a servant to my father than, than to die out here alone. And so as the boy returns home, the father sees the boy. He's obviously watching. He hasn't lost hope. He's watching for this boy to return home. And when he does, the father starts to run towards the, the boy. And every time I read this, I'm thinking, man, the father's just going to, like, lay this kid out. Like, like, he is so mad and upset. Like, there's no way. Like, he's going to, he's going to, th this is not good. But the father reaches the boy, and he embraces him with loving arms. And then he throws gifts onto this boy. And then they have a party, a celebration. He loves him. You see, because the lost had returned, the boy was found. The lost is found. You see, Jesus is showing us that he's that shepherd, and he's that woman with the ten coins, and he's that father with the two boys. And see, the way he loves doesn't make sense to our human doesn't. He loves recklessly. He chases after the unthinkable. He completely blows away everything we know about love. And he gives us something that's so foreign to our human nature and our sinful nature, and it's called grace. It's called grace. Grace is the reason why he leaves the 99 to go and find the one. Grace is the reason why he finds the one and leaves the 10. Grace is the reason why the, the father embraces the son rather than punish him grace it's called grace that's why he chases us you see i'm that dumb sheep i'm that dumb sheep that left the 99 and ran away and god said i'm not giving up on you i'm coming i'm chasing after you yeah you don't deserve it yeah you might be in the place you are because of the things that you've done because of your sin but i don't care i love you grace chases after us so what do we do with all this what do we do with this passage in regards to our church in regards to our our family in regards to our home what is what is jesus trying to show us what is jesus trying to show the religious leaders through this story now remember why this story was presented right remember the challenge this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them the whole problem is the way Jesus' community looked. They didn't like who he was hanging out with. So I asked, what does our church look like? What does our community look like? Do we look like Jesus, or do we look like the Pharisees? See, I love the local church. I truly do. But I think the local church has been messing this one up for quite some time. 
And that's why I get so excited about this group of unity that we have going right now where 12 churches are coming together to celebrate the name of Jesus Christ as one. And more, more congregations and churches and pastors are stepping up wanting to be a part. I love it. I want to look like Jesus in his group of people. I love the local church, but sometimes I look out into this community. I look out and, and, and have seen the local church as, as I've grown up. And sometimes I see buildings full of people who look alike. Communities where people gather who share the same social status, who share the same skin color, political views, an undiversified group that has barriers to entry, these man-made barriers. You have to look this way or have enough money or be in this social class to go here, here, here. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the alienation. I'm tired of the regulations that we so often set up. And just like Mark said last week, it is time to educate, not alienate. To plant the seeds of Jesus Christ rather than to separate. So what do we look like? Do we look like the synagogues that Jesus was teaching to break down? Is this passage as much for us today, as much for the local church today as it is for the Pharisees? Do we love like Jesus loves? Do we understand what he's showing us? Do we understand the love of Jesus Christ and how he calls us to love? To love with no barriers. To share the love of Jesus with anyone and everyone we come in contact with, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been to reach across the societal barriers and to meet people where they're at. Because it's what we're called to do. It comes directly from the model that Jesus set as he walked this earth. Again, it's why I love this unity movement, going out and reaching the broken people. And that's why I love you, Journey Church, because you're changing the mold. Each church that's joined up a part of this, unity is changing the mold. We're turning the ship. The ship's big, but we're turning it. Under the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to see this ship turn. And we're going to see what real unity looks like. Man, I love it. When all classes, races, and societal walls disappear, and we worship Jesus Christ as one. It's amazing what happens when we just go where God calls us to go. Remember, the Pharisees are mad. Because Jesus is hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people, or what they think are the wrong people. And he gives us these parables. And the common thread in each of these parables is this. Something's lost. Something's lost. There's a search or a watch for that lost thing. It is found, and there's a party. All right? So there's something that's lost. There's a search. It's found. There's a party. Maybe just maybe Jesus has given us a model. Maybe he's given us a model, right? What's our mission? What's our mission here at Journey Church? Anybody, what's our mission? Go, make, baptize, teach. Go, make, baptize, teach. Go, make, baptize, teach. I hope it's burned into your heart. It comes straight from the model that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28. Go and make 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey the commands I have given you. Go make, baptize, teach. And we see the exact same thing in this parable. Jesus is saying there's lost people out there, and so I want you to go. Something is lost, and you're called to find them. Search for them. Watch for them. Tell them about me. Tell them about Jesus Christ. And when they figure it out and when they believe, I want you to baptize them. Do you know what baptism is? A celebration, right? Something is lost, there's a search, it's found, and there's a party. Go make baptized. I love it. It's what we're called to do. And not only is this the model, it's what's most important for us to do. Jesus leaves the 99 to go and find the one. And you may be thinking, that's great, but what about growing the saved people? What about the, the teach part? Isn't the church supposed to be doing that too? And my answer is absolutely yes, we are supposed to be doing that. But remember more than anything else, Jesus grows saved people. He does the work in our hearts when we seek him, when we come together, and when we go out together. I love our Bible studies. I love our church fellowship nights. I love our worship nights. I love our classes. I'm a part of each and every single one of those things. But hear this loud and clear. Our mission, first and foremost, is to reach the lost. There's something to be said about order in the Bible. And God said, go first, make, baptize, teach. So we're going to go. And we're going to go strong and hard with the Holy Spirit in the lead. Go, make, baptize, teach. Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus went after one. But what about the 99? What do we do with the 99 that are already saved? Because that's probably a question that's going on in your mind. What do we, what do, we do with that 99 people? Well, Jesus loves those just as much, but they're already made whole, right? The old has already become new. The relationship with Jesus Christ is intact for the first time. It's not a search or a chase anymore on Jesus' part. It's a mutual pursuing of each other. With Christ, our souls are redeemed. We're safe in the hands of Jesus Christ. We turn from needy, broken, helpless people into kingdom builders, the search party the beacon of light into this dark world, the hands and feet of Jesus. The search is over for our souls and the search for others has begun. And the time is now, the harvest is plenty, and we are the few workers. It's not about us anymore, it's about the lost, and our focus is the one. And when we search for the one and we serve the one, guess what? We pray more, we read more, and we grow closer to God. Because it's the model that he set. Man, the moments that I've grown the closest to God is when I've been out serving the least of these. Because Jesus tells us that when we serve the least of, the least of these, we're serving him. My biggest moments of just connection to God is just praying for people, praying for the lost and just wrapping my arms around them. I love it. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't neglect our Bible studies and, and my time that I need to lock myself in a closet with God. It does not neglect that. But all that never replaces our calling and our mission to go. So what's your focus? What is your focus this morning? If you have a relationship with Jesus, what is your focus? 
Are you more focused on yourself or are you focused on others? You see, the Pharisees were focused on themselves, and that's why they were mad. They didn't want to be pulled out of their comfort zone. They didn't want to be pulled out of what they knew. And you see, Jesus was focused on everybody else, and, and that upset them. Because that means they had to actually change if they're going to believe this Jesus dude. They're going to have to change. You see, we are the search party that goes out together. And so my question is, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Not your neighbor sitting next to you, but are you ready to go? If you're struggling with answering that question, let me answer it for you. The answer is yes, because God's equipped you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's time to stop neglecting him. It's time to stop doubting what God can do through the Holy Spirit in your life. But I don't have the skills. Yeah, he's given them. Again, it's called the Holy Spirit. We are that search party. And you are equipped. And so it's time to get out of our comfort zone. It's time to get rid of our barriers. It's time to go out as one body united in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time to get over our fears and our predispositions. And it's time to get comfortable loving the people that Jesus loved. And guess what? That is everybody, not just the people you choose. Everybody. Man, if you have prejudices today against any class, any race, any social constructs in your life, then the day's the day to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Because guess what? They do not belong in the kingdom of God. And they do not belong in the house of God. And they do not belong in the church that Jesus Christ has assembled. Lay them at his feet. So are you ready? Are you excited for a move of God? Because it's coming. I feel it in the air. I feel it. I feel it in this time. Are you ready? You better be ready to be forced out of your comfort zone, to be challenged more than ever before. I hope you're ready because it's time to go and find the one and it's time to celebrate. So who's your one? Are you searching? Are you watching? Because it's time to go. Not just your neighbor, but you. Are you ready? I've never been so excited in my life about what I'm seeing God do. I'm seeing walls being broken down. I'm seeing hearts being opened up. I'm seeing people who, who just did not know how to love other people love. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing churches come together. I'm seeing the walls that have been built up over hundreds of years come shattering down. I'm seeing the, the school system walls being shaken. And it's not because of what we've done. It's because of what God's doing because we're just trying to obey what God's calling us to do. I'm excited and I hope you are. And maybe you walked in today and you're like, man, this kid's crazy because none of this makes sense to me. And maybe you walked in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe, maybe just maybe you've tried church before, right? You've tried the church thing, but maybe you walked in a door and the exact same thing that the Pharisees did to Jesus, maybe someone did to you, right? Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by, by people who call themselves Christians. But I want you to know today and hear me loud and clear, it was not Jesus who hurt you. It was not Jesus who hurt you. It was broken people who just lost sight for a second that hurts you. I want you to know today that Jesus loves you where you're at. Who was Jesus hanging out with? The broken, 
the lost, the downtrodden, the sinners, the worst of the worst. And he sat with them, he ate with them, he celebrated, he partied with them. Because he said, you know what, I know you're bad. I know you're broken. I know you've got sins. I know that you can't do this. But I want you to know that my love isn't defined by your sins. My love overcomes your sins. And that's why I'm here. And I love you so much that I'm going to give my life for you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've done anything that deserves it. But because I love you anyways. And maybe that's you today. And I want you to know that's what Jesus says to you today. The thing is, is that we have to choose to love Jesus back. Jesus is there knocking on your door. He tells us that. He's just waiting for you to open the door. He's just waiting for you to let him in. He's waiting for you to let him pick you up and to put him on, put you on his shoulders like he did that sheep that strayed and to bring you home. And all he asks is that you invite him into your heart. That you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. Jesus, I believe that you are king and I know you died for me. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need you, Jesus. And my prayer, if that's you today, that you'll cry that out to Jesus. And to know without a shadow of a doubt that he brings you home. And the party starts. The celebration begins and the life change happens become part of the family of God and you're given a mission it's the same mission that every person from the day Jesus died until today has when they accept Christ into their heart and that mission is to what? go that's it it's that simple go are you willing? choice is up to you if you are you better hang on tight we have an adventure ahead of us. It's a journey, if I will. It's going to be fun. I'm ready. I hope you are too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the fact that you love us broken people. You love us even, even when we don't deserve it. Father, I just pray for each heart here today that today will be the day if they haven't invited you into their heart, that today will be the day they say yes to you, Jesus. They say yes to the King of kings, the Lord of the lords, the Savior of all. Father, we just are in all of what you're doing. We're in all of the movement we see. We're in all of, of how you're bringing down walls. And when you said the church will prevail, we see it, Jesus. We know the gates of hell will not stop us, and today's the day to go. So, Father, show us our one. Show us who we're searching for. Let us keep a watch, keep our eyes open, and let us love with everything in us. Give us your love so that we can love others in the same way. Inspire us. Give us the strength to know the importance of our mission. Our mission to go. Let us understand 
see clearly the picture that you're painting before us, Father, to go out into this world to love with the reckless abandon that you have, Jesus, to lay our own selfish wants and needs aside and to serve because it's what you showed us how to do and called us to do. Give us strength, Lord. Give us patience. Give us the spirit to overcome all the challenges ahead, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.